Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, today, how Amazon is changing our lives. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, Amazon is changing a culture through Bayesonomics. Award-winning journalist and contributing editor at uh, Fortune Magazine, Brian Dumain, is here today to talk about his book, Bayesonomics, How Amazon is Changing Our Lives and What the World's Best Companies Are Learning From It. Hey, Brian, welcome to Prudent Money. Hey, Bob. Thanks a lot. It's my pleasure to be here. I got to say one thing about your book. I mean, it's a fantastic book, and you must have had a great time writing this book because Jeff Bezos and Amazon are an incredible success story, one that is changing everything. Yes, it's, it was a gift that kept giving, Bob. Um, uh, I've been a journalist for three decades, and this is probably my favorite project because it's such an interesting company, and it's a microcosm of where business is headed today. Uh, all the changes that Amazon is making in the in the business world is spilling over into our lives. And I mean, who would have thought uh, ten years ago that we'd be able to get a package delivered to our door in one day? I mean, this is obviously pre-pandemic, <laughs> sure. but Amazon will get back to their normal delivery schedules at some point. I mean, they've just really revolutionized the way we uh, think about business. We'll start with Jeff Bezos. Talk a little about him as the force behind Amazon. Well, Bezos started the company in 1995 out of a garage in Seattle. And they started by selling books, but it wasn't Bezos' idea to become a bookseller. He was building a tech platform that just happened to sell books. And the genius of that is that books are relatively easy to sell, let's say, compared to groceries. I mean, groceries can spoil, and, you know, do you pick a ripe peach or an unripe peach to send to your customer? A book is a book. It's a uniform size. It's easy to ship. But what he was really doing is figuring out how to integrate artificial intelligence into the consumer experience. In other words, letting computers make a lot of decisions uh, for the consumer. And in those early days, some of the decisions the computers would make would be, well, you know, if you read this book, uh, other people who read the book that you just read also like these other books, and they'd make these suggestions, which really helped boost sales. And now, you know, Bezos has taken that on an entirely new level. Um, a lot of the decisions that Amazon executives used to make in terms of, you know, uh, which shirts to order, what size, what colors, how many, what warehouses to ship them to, are now all being done by these artificial intelligence algorithms. And it's one of the reasons why, yes, they were slowed down in their deliveries during the pandemic, but at the same time, their, their sales surged 25%. And it was these algorithms that allowed them to respond and get a lot of essential items out to the public uh, when we're all having to stay at home. So his great genius is, is to have created probably the m most advanced digital corporation that the world has ever seen. Now, Brian, you describe Jeff Bezos as a man of contradictions. Talk about that. 
Well, he's not an easy person to peg down. Uh, you know, he's, he's driven uh, by a, a sense of the, the truth in, in this corporation. He doesn't let anyone uh, you know, engage in corporate politics. He makes everybody write these six-page memos to really get to the bottom of any new product or service that anyone's launching. Um, and part of that philosophy when in the early days, especially at Amazon, uh, was all about saving money for the consumer. I mean, Amazon used uh, doors as desktops to save money. There are no <laughs> fancy cafeterias at Amazon like you might find at Google or Facebook. And that's because he wants to go, every penny to go to the consumer to lower prices and speed up deliveries. Now, on the other hand, you know, he's the richest man in the world. And he's worth $144 billion now, and that's after giving his, his wife $38 billion last year in a divorce settlement. Um, and he's buying up these huge uh, mansions in L.A., uh, a huge apartment in Manhattan. He's building the largest single-family home in Washington, D.C. So it's kind of a contradiction. He's, you know, he's very frugal in the company, uh, but outside the company, he's starting to spend like a bandit, you might say. You know, what I liked about the book is that you dedicated the first part to him as kind of an almost an autobiography. Talk about the, the single biggest qualities that he has that probably has led to his success. Well, yes, the, he has a fascinating background. Um, he spent a lot of time when he was a kid on his grandfather's ranch in South Texas called the Lazy G. And of the many things he learned there, one of the most important was a sense of, uh, of, of having, you know, being resourceful, I think is the best way to put it. So he, he learned from his grandfather how to build irrigation systems, build fences. Uh, they built a prefab house. They even assembled a uh, old, old caterpillar tractor and got it back running. I mean, he, he really learned how to attack problems and solve them, and he brought that to Amazon. I mean, he at times would come up against a problem and try it two or three or four times before he got it right, but he would always want to figure it out, and he, he wanted to surround himself uh, by people who were also resourceful. Uh, when he was a young man, he was talking about the qualities he was looking for in a wife, and one of the things he said was uh, she would have to be resourceful enough to uh, spring him from a third-world prison, <laughs> which was <laughs> kind of an unusual qualification, yeah, right. I might say. But Bezos is an unusual man. So talk a little bit about the culture of Amazon, because you were behind the scenes. You've talked to a lot of different people, interviewed a lot of people, and uh, it, it's a different kind of a culture there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, in my book, Bazonomics, I, I, when I was doing research for it, I was lucky enough to go to Seattle and interview at least a dozen of their top executives, and I toured one of the, uh, Amazon's warehouses and some of their new ghost stores, which are cashierless, and got a good uh, feeling for what the culture was like. And it's a very uh, tough culture. I mean, it's sort of you know, almost at the management level, like the Navy SEALs, you know, it's up or out. Uh, one Amazon executive told me, you know, you have to earn your trident every day, which is a, a Navy SEALs uh, statement, and meaning that 
it's not a place for people to coast through. And Bezos demands excellence of everyone. And as I mentioned earlier, he, he has this culture that really tries to seek the truth, which, which means people can often get in confrontations at meetings in Amazon. Sometimes they're shouting, but it's, it's usually about the issue and about the data. It's not about someone's personality. Um, some executives on their office had this uh, uh, statement pinned up which said, in God we trust, all others bring data. And the culture really believes that. The other thing that's unusual about the culture is that, you know, a lot of companies and a lot of CEOs will say they do everything for the customer. Well, Bezos says that, but he really believes it. They don't spend a lot of time focused on what the competition is doing. He hates internal company politics, uh, and if he, you know, comes across it, he, he really, you know, just puts a stop to it immediately. He's all about uh, doing everything for the customer, and that's really served uh, Amazon well over the years. Uh, and there was a survey I came across, which I uh, put in my book that Georgetown University did, and they asked uh, both Republicans and Democrats which institutions in the United States uh, do they uh, believe in the most? And among all Republicans, Amazon came in third after the military and the local police. Mm. And among Democrats, Amazon came in first <laughs> among all other institutions, including uh, the courts, university systems, uh, of course, Congress, and even uh, organized religion. Let me ask you this, Brian. Would you have written the book a little bit differently if you'd have been writing during the pandemic? Uh, Bob, that's a great question. Um, well, I, th I think I would have gotten a, a terrific chapter out of it for my book. But, you know, Amazon uh, pretty much kept true to its spirit during the pandemic. Now, um, they came under a lot of criticism for not moving fast enough to protect their workers in their warehouses. And I think some of that criticism is, is certainly warranted. On the other hand, you know, they have 400,000 frontline workers, and they added 175,000 frontline workers during the pandemic. And you can imagine how chaotic that could be while trying to keep essential goods flowing to their, you know, two to 300 million customers. I mean, that's a logistical challenge, to say the least. And the, the way it's really classic Bezos, though, is he, he, he was very upfront about it. You know, he said this was the toughest challenge Amazon has ever faced that when he was addressing his investors uh, for his first quarter earnings. And, and what he did in response was to make a big investment in the short term to make sure Amazon comes out on the other side of this uh, pandemic bigger and healthier than ever. He, he told his investors that he's going to, he first said, like, you better sit down. He said he's, he's going to spend $4 billion in the second quarter uh, on making his warehouses safer and more efficient uh, during the pandemic. I mean, that's a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? That's right. more than they were uh, slated to earn in the second quarter. But it's, it's classic Bezos because what I, th I think is going to happen when they come out of this is, A, they'll be uh, able to 
meet even a bigger demand because I think Americans have gotten more used to shopping online because of the pandemic. Recent surveys that have come out have shown the uh, you know amount of online shopping has really soared, and a lot of uh, Wall Street experts think that there's no reason why that won't continue after the pandemic. It might come down a little bit as people get used to going back to the stores, but a lot of people have become comfortable with that. And the the other way it's a classic Bezos move is that one of the things he's doing is he's you know providing I I think the number is 100 million masks to his employees, uh, lots of sanitizer, and he's also testing them for the virus. So you can imagine. Either if, you know, God forbid we get another surge in the virus this winter or for the next pandemic, Amazon could have a, a virus testing business that they could sell to other companies who want to test their employees or sell to local governments or even the federal government for testing because Amazon's so good at logistics that they could probably do it more cheaply and more efficiently than anywhere else. So. Yeah, I would have written the book differently in that way. I would have pointed out how Bezos took this emergency, and in the long run, it looks like he's going to turn it to his advantage, which is a classic move. Talking to Brian Dumain about a great book called Bezonomics, and uh, this gives you everything you've ever wondered about Amazon, and he had behind-the-scenes access, just great information. You know, tell me, Brian, what do you think the end game is for Amazon? I mean, what does Jeff Bezos really want to accomplish? Well, that was one of the things that surprised me the most, Bob, when I was researching my book, Bezonomics. Um, you would think he was motivated by money, but he's really not. I mean, he's only motivated by money in the sense that he wants uh, money to, and, and you know, sit down for this one, he, to colonize outer space. So every year he's, he's been selling a billion dollars worth of his Amazon stock and putting it into a private company that he started a number of years ago called Blue Horizon. And what Blue Horizon does is it makes reusable rockets, rockets that, you know, go to space and either bring people up or maybe launch satellites, and then they come back down to Earth and land and can be reused. And the reason he's doing that is he thinks that we have to move a lot of our heavy industry and our mining to outer space, whether it's the moon or Mars, and that space travel is too expensive right now to do it. He wants to make it cheaper so that entrepreneurs and future generations, and, you know, he's thinking now in hundreds of years, not in like 10 or 20 years, will have the cheap tools to explore outer space. And the reason he's so passionate about that, well, he's, you know, he's been a Trekkie since he's been a kid uh, and uh, always fascinated with outer space. Uh, As a matter of fact, Alexa was inspired by the talking computers on uh, the USS Enterprise in the Star Trek series, and they decided they would be really cool if they could have a talking computer. But what's motivating Bezos is that he thinks the world population, as many experts do, will increase from over 7 billion today to close to 10 billion people at the middle of the century. And we just don't have enough resources to comfortably... Uh, feed and clothe all those people. And, you know, Bezos likes prosperity. He likes everyone to do well. And he thinks the only way to do that is to 
So in his words, he said, I would zone Earth as residential and light industrial, and then I'd take all the heavy industry, and I'd have it occur in outer space. I mean, to me, that sounds a little crazy, but, you know, here's a man that built uh, one of the most efficient capitalistic machines in history, and now this is his act, too. So in a way, Amazon, you know, the motivation was for him to have the resources to do what he really wants to do, which is to uh, colonize outer space. This morning, as I was reading through the book and preparing for uh, our talk today, uh, a package arrived. Of course, it was from Amazon, and my wife jokingly uh, commented that she believes her son has a shopping addiction. Yet, as you write in the book, that is a real problem when you have uh, a resource like Amazon that fulfill your must-haves by just a click of a link. Yeah, no, there's a lot of scientific research, Bob, which I go into the book that shows that when you shop online, like when you get a like on on Facebook or on on Twitter, you know, it it, it releases dopamine in in one's brain, which is, you know, creates a sense of pleasure. And with Amazon, you get a double uh, hit because you feel good when you first push that buy button, Right, and then you feel good when the package arrives at your door, so it gets very addictive. I, I write about a, a man in Saco, Maine, who returned too many items to Amazon, and Amazon cut <laughs> off his Prime account. Right, and he, he he went into a depression for a few months, and he was pleading with Amazon to restore his account. And I, I guess out of some sense of humanity, they they finally did. But he he was really in a funk. And then you know there are other instances of uh, shopping addicts, and you know shopping addicts are nothing new, but or shopaholics, I guess you might call them. But Amazon has made it a lot easier to rack up enormous bills. I mean, there have been people who you know, have been drunk and at night and they end up ordering all this stuff and they wake up the next morning, they can't even remember what they ordered. And then, you know, the next day, you know, scores of packages end up at their doorstep. <laughs> it's like, and, but, you know, I think that's something every individual has to police on his or her own, sure. right? I mean, I don't know how much you can hold Amazon responsible for someone who, you know, spends more than they can afford to spend. You know, Brian, you had to be, while you were gathering your information, writing the book, you had to ponder the question, at what point does Amazon hit the ceiling of complexity and struggles to continue its dominance? I mean, it got too big. Or the other question is, is it even that is that even possible? Yeah, yeah no, that's a good point, Bob. I think uh, a lot of companies have failed because they've gotten too big and too complex. Um, and Bezos himself has said that he's afraid that Amazon will fail someday. He said most companies only last 30 years, and Amazon's already 25 years old. Um, I mean, there, there are two things there. One is complexity. I mean, Amazon's, uh, you know, it's obviously a retailer um, online, and it's also now a brick-and-mortar retailer. They bought Whole Foods. Uh, they run the biggest cloud computing business in the world with AWS. Uh, they're building up a huge advertising business on their platform. They manage their marketplace, which has 3 million entrepreneurs selling goods on their site. Uh, they're expanding globally. Uh, their next industries might very well be healthcare and finance. I mean, just today they announced a deal with Goldman Sachs to 
give loans to the entrepreneurs who sell on Amazon.com. So, yeah, I mean, the danger is that the place becomes so complex that uh, Bezos can't run it anymore. I mean, the argument against that is that he's built a really strong uh, team of leaders there who think like he thinks. He calls them the S team for the senior team. And if anyone can keep all those balls juggling, I think it's the S team. And also, because Bezos has integrated artificial intelligence and big data into his corporation, they could perhaps handle that level of complexity because so many of the decisions will be made by algorithms rather than human beings. I mean, if you try to have human beings make all the decisions for that many businesses, you can really grind to a halt. But his biggest worry is not so much complexity and size. It's uh, something he calls uh, day two. And what he means by that is one of his philosophies is called day one, uh, which means everyone should show up to work as if they were an entrepreneur starting their business and it's the first day. They show up mm-hmm. with that kind of energy and excitement and enthusiasm. And he really worries about complacency as a uh, business like Amazon grows as big as it does. And what he means by day two is that you know, if you don't act like it's day one, you act like it's day two. And that means you focus more on the competition or on internal politics than you do on the customer. The customer is the holy grail at Amazon. And he worries that if the company gets too inward-looking or gets too complacent because it is so big and successful, that's when day two occurs. And he says that leads to degradation and ultimately corporate death. Well, the name of the book is Bezonomics, How Amazon is Changing Our Lives and What the World's Best Companies are Learning from It. Brian, congratulations. Great book. So uh, glad that you, you came on the show today. Uh, Bob, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining for me joining today. today. I, there, were, there were story after story that was just so interesting. I could have I could have talked uh, talked to Brian for a couple of hours, asked him questions, but uh, they really cover what's going on behind the scenes. And it's just if you're if if you like to know what makes a company tick, what makes a company successful, Jeff Bezos is a uh, very very interesting uh, interesting leader. And the first, like I said, first four or five chapters are just written about him, and uh, just fascinating to the, the, the success that the guy has had. This is Bob Brooks. If you've got a question for me, you can go to the website, www.prudentmoney.com. You can send it in. I'll get you taken care of. And also, if you ever miss just the uh, first part of the program or you come in the middle or whatever, uh, you can, uh, we podcast every program. And you can go listen to that at SoundCloud, which there's a link between uh, prudentmoney.com and, um, and, and, and the podcast. And finally, make sure you go see, uh, check out the YouTube video channel. There's, uh, we're going to be releasing five more videos this afternoon. And uh, there's a lot of teaching about money on that site. So go check it out. Well, if you got a question for me, please go to prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day.
That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.